When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So after two rounds of the PGA Championship, Jimmy Walker and Robert Streb tied for the lead. Nine under par. Streb tied a major championship record by shooting a 63 today. Seven under par. Emiliano Grillo and Jason Day, seven under, two off the lead. Henrik Stenson, six under, three back. Martin Keimer and Patrick Reed and Brooks Kepka, five under par. They are four back. Final two rounds go this weekend at Baltusrol Golf Club in New Jersey. Right here in Edmonton, we have a McKenzie Tour event. Joseph Harrison, Brock McKenzie, and Aaron Wise all tied for the lead at 11 under after two rounds. Uh, I think just a couple of groups still on the course. Um, Just checking your note. Maybe everybody's finally done here. Yeah, it looks like it's done. They suspended the second round yesterday, so now round two. Uh, finished Edmonton's uh, Will Bateman. He's tied for 15th, so he makes the cut for the weekend. He's at 7-under par. Also at 7-under uh, par, another Canadian is Devin Carey, who joins us now. Devin, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm very good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks for giving us, uh, giving us an update here from the Oil Country Championship. And uh, how do you feel about your, your first couple of rounds at uh, you know, I, I guess a guy always would like to be first going in the week, the, the weekend, but uh, short of that, how do you feel about your score and your positioning? Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with my first two rounds. Um, obviously, there's a lot of guys out here that have shot some pretty low scores, but uh, to get yourself into the mix going in the last two days is uh, is a nice position to be in. What have you learned about the course over the last couple of days, Devin? I think the big thing here, and, and all the guys would – would also say that you know being above the hole here is not the greatest uh, greatest position just because the greens are pretty uh, pretty fast. So you you want to kind of try and position yourself below the hole and in a spot where you can maybe be a little bit more aggressive than in trying to be tentative going down the hill. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm a uh, I'm a poor golfer, uh, but I got to play the, the Glendale actually a week ago today, and I was just blown away by. Uh, by how quick the greens were, but you're probably used to facing greens like that probably most weeks on the McKenzie Tour, or, or or is the Glendale maybe a little quicker than what you usually get? You know, to be honest, I mean, I think, you know, Glendale Glendales have a little bit more slope um, where, you know, you are penalized for being above the hole in, in some positions, uh, and, I mean, they're running they're running beautifully. I mean, they're on a flat putt. They're probably running around 11 or 12 on the stem, so... Probably on the on the faster side of what we see week to week, but uh, just with the undulations in some of these greens, you definitely have to try and be below the hole. 
So how do you approach a putt, especially if it's downhill or, or a little longer? Are you thinking I have to figure out a way to make this, or are you thinking I have to figure out a way to make the next shot a gimme? Well, obviously you don't want to leave yourself too much uh, too much meat on the bone per se, but um, I, I think you know if you can get the putt rolling uh, around the hole, whether it's uphill or downhill, at a, at a good speed, and you know your line may not have to be perfect for it to fall in one of the sides. So I think that's pretty much the goal of everybody when either facing an uphill or downhill putt around here. Devin, give me a sense of what the rough is is like when when I was out there a week ago. Uh, I, I didn't find it that high, but I found it pretty lush and pretty thick. What, what's it like now a, a week later since I was out there? Yeah, I think you're pretty accurate in that as what we're facing here. I mean, I, I guess Edmonton's had some rain in the last couple of weeks. So it's, you know, as all the golf courses around the city, it's, it's very lush everywhere and very green. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say the rough's over, overly crazy long, um, but it's definitely uh, thick in some spots. So you you know, if you hit in the rough, you are hoping for maybe a down grain lie, which you can get a little bit more club on the ball for sure. Devin Carey joining us on Inside Sports. He shoots 69 and 68 in his first two rounds at the Oil Country Championship, so he is seven under par going into the weekend. Devin, let's get to know uh, you a little bit. Just uh, tell fans where you're from and, and how you progress to become, you know, an elite golfer. What's the journey been like for you? Yeah, so I grew up in Langley, B.C. Um, you know, Oilers fans may not like this, but I'm a huge Canuck fan. Um, but uh, went to college in, in South Louisiana, uh, out of high school, and then uh, moved to Houston, Texas uh, after that uh, once I graduated, and I've been living there uh, ever since, in 2009. Um, I've played out here for six seasons. So, you know, obviously this is this has developed into to a great tour with the PJ Tour backing it and and having these uh, opportunities to go up to the web.com. So the, the fields have gotten way better uh, each year I've been out here. But, uh, yeah, everybody's just trying to, you know, per se graduate from this from this tour and move up to the next level. So that's all our goals out here. I mean, how much do you feel are, are separating the best guys on the McKenzie Tour from from being able to play to get a PGA Tour card? Is it one is it one shot around? I mean, is it is it the, is the margin that fine? You just got to try to eliminate a, a bogey here or there. I definitely. I mean, obviously, the top guys in the world are, are at a different level, um, but it's a really fine line between you know the McKenzie Tour, Web. dot com, or PGA Tour. I think the best the best way i can say it personally is is from the guys on the mckenzie tour versus the pj tour they just do everything a tiny bit better and that may that may add up to you know a shot or two around and over four four days that could be you know four to eight shots around you know if they're doing just everything just a little bit better so that's all our goals out here just to try and improve in every aspect we can and and then hopefully uh hopefully you know graduate and and move up the move up the ranks how many balls will you hit in a day when you're not in a tournament? Well, I'm a little older now than I used to be in college, so that number's definitely decreased. Um, kind of varies, and not in a tournament. And again, not giving you the best answer, but it's it depends. If if we're working on stuff, you're definitely going to hit maybe a couple hundred. Um, you know, if you're pretty happy with where you're at right now and what you're doing technically, then you may only hit 40 or 50, and then you're going to go play. I think what you'll find out here is. There's 156 guys in this field. Mostly all of them are going to play more than they practice, even when they're at home, because that's that's where you're facing different, you know, different shots and and 
and lies and, and putts and stuff like that. And that's where you can learn the most and get better at the most. So, All right, Devin, before I let you go, I, 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 I was going to ask you, what is your goal for the weekend? I know your goal is to win, but, <laughs> but I mean, like, like I mentioned, uh, you know, in the top 20, how do you approach, um, you know, Saturday and sort of uh, continuing to stay in that position or improve your position for Sunday? Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody's goal is to be in the mix on the back nine on, on Sunday. I think, you know, if being at seven under, I haven't looked at a leaderboard in a little while, but I'm going to guess I'm probably four to six shots behind. I mean, you, you definitely have to throw something pretty low out uh, one of the two days because obviously the guys in front are not going to let up at all. I mean, Glendale does offer some birdie opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, you're just going to try and give yourself as many looks as possible. And, and you know, if that if that equates to, you know, making more and, and shooting a lower score, then, then hopefully you'll be there once Sunday afternoon rolls around. All right. Well, hey, Devin, it was great to get to know you a little bit, and thanks for giving us some firsthand insight of how the course is playing and the, and the competition level, not just of the tournament this weekend, but of the, of the tour in general. Great to have you on the show, and all the best over the final two rounds. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Right on. That is Devin Carey checking in. He says, don't hold it against him. He's yours for the Vancouver Canucks. He's originally from B.C. And uh, so many guys in the mix, Matthew. So, as I mentioned, Aaron Wise, Brock McKenzie, and Joseph Harrison tied for the lead at 11 under par. There are 27 other players within four shots of the lead. So, we had Devin Carey on the show. Uh, He's at 7 under par. I mean, there are... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 guys at 7 under par within four shots of the lead. And then there's obviously some guys at 8, 9, and 10 under par. So it's pretty tight. Uh, as you heard Devin say, certainly are there, there, there are some scores there to be posted. If you look at the leaders today, some 66s. Uh, Cameron Peck is tied for fourth. He shot a 65. Uh, a bunch of scores between 66 and 68. I mean, we're looking at, the, at the, if a guy or a couple guys can go out tomorrow, Matthew, and shoot 65 or 66, they're probably going to nose ahead or, or throw themselves uh, or, or try to provide a couple of strokes of separation for themselves and break away from that pack a little bit. I mean, the three guys in the lead, Harrison, McKenzie, and Wise, all shot 67 yesterday, 66 today. So the scores are out there, um, but you can't go out there and just make pars. Clearly there are some birdies there, and uh, the leader's going to have to rack up a few. You can always reach us here on Inside Sports. You can tweet me, at Reed Wilkins. It is 780-496-0063 on the open line. You can text 630-630, and it is the uh, Montreal Alouettes in control against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, tonight. By the way, there's another game coming up, uh, BC and uh, Calgary. Just getting underway. Uh, that should be an interesting matchup. The uh, Alouettes cruising up 41-3 with a minute 45 left against Saskatchewan. We'll keep a quick timeout. It's 8-16. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Oh, wow, we haven't played this one in a while. Got to fade it up before the lyrics come in. (laughs) It's quite a filthy song, isn't it? 
what is this? The Bad Touch by Bloodhound Gang? You're right. Is that the name of the uh, the band? You are correct, <laughs> my friend. Ah, yes. My good beat. Good beat. Definitely can't play the whole song on 630 Ched, though. Agreed. Not at this time. Maybe the uh, Overnight Show could play it. The Alien Show. Yeah, it is 41-3, Montreal leading Saskatchewan. They're in garbage time here, just over uh, a minute left. We'll keep you updated on that one. The Blue Jays win 6-5. The Oilers uh, re-signed defenseman David Musil to a one-year contract. The uh, Eskimos off for a couple of days. Their uh, next game next Saturday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. 3.30 for the pregame show. The game will start at 5. That is Saturday, August 6th. Chris Jones on the sidelines. Not looking happy. I'm switching games. The remote doesn't work. Why does the remote not work, Matthew? Here we go. I'm switching, I'm switching to BC Calgary. Are your batteries dead? No, it's I don't know. Uh, oh, it's 8 nothing BC already. Just two and a half minutes in. Holy... See, when Those Bo lines. Levi Mitchell plays a good quarterback... Bo Levi's good. He's not that good against good defenses, though. I think Bo Levi's really good. I think he's overrated. You think Bo Levi Mitchell is overrated? Yes, sir. How come? I just think when he plays good teams, Reed, he just simply does not play that good against them. You watch tonight. He's, 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 he's going to have bad numbers against the Lions. All right, we'll see. Is this a text that someone's calling by accident? Did someone text the uh, the line? Oh, Matthew's talking to him. Uh, just switching over to the game. A uh, fake reverse on a punt return by the BC Lions leads to a touchdown. So that's how they get up 8 nothing tonight as Bo Levi Mitchell completes a 15-yard pass. I just think he's overrated. That's You're all. funny, Matthew. I, I think Bo Levi's really good. I don't think he's overrated at all. Oh, BC got a two-point convert, so there you go. Uh, Lucas says, man, that's an awesome song. We used to party to that song. <laughs> party? Or is he using party for something else there? <laughs> you got to wonder about that one, Reed, with that song. Uh, yeah, entertaining song. Uh, any decision for Tyson Berry? Someone is texting in. No. Uh, decision will be made 48 hours from the end of the hearing. So over the weekend, we'll get some Tyson Berry contract news, right? We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad. Uh, yeah, they don't do it the same day as the hearing, right? No. No, it always takes a little while. Not a lot, a lot of these hearings actually happen. They usually reach a, reach a deal. I mean, the Oilers were going to arbitration with Sam Gagne a few years ago, remember? And then they reached the deal right beforehand, and then he got traded the next year. Usually these teams reach a deal, so you got to think... With this Tyson Berry situation, it is just completely nasty between these two sides. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's odd, isn't it? And they've kind of said mixed things about him in the media. Well, didn't Patrick Waugh say he's a fifth defenseman? Isn't that a little bit crazy for Tyson Berry? Well, for a guy who gets that many points, even if you, even if you think he's a shoddy defender, a guy who produces that many points is going to get to play a lot, probably more than the fifth most minutes on your team from the back end. So that's weird. They'll they'll probably trade him eventually. I don't know if it's going to happen this summer. I don't know if it's going to be to the Oilers. That's what everybody wants. Here's the thing: a lot of teams would be in a market for a player in the market for. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: as as weak as the Oilers' defense core has been, 
and we know there are a lot of holes in it, they're not the only t- team lacking a really good offensive defenseman. About half the teams in the league are lacking that, right? So Colorado will have some options to get the best deal possible if and when they decide to make that trade. So uh, I don't know. I think I think it's pretty quiet for the Oilers now. I, I know I was listening to Bob earlier today. Somebody was like, well, well R&H for Falk to Carolina. Is that still going to happen? I don't know about that. I, I think this... With with the exception of maybe a, a depth addition or two, I think this is the Oilers' team. I think this is the Oilers' team. Here's what I think, Reed. I think what's going to happen is if the Oilers struggle out of the gate, there's a deal in place. That's my theory, is that there's something that they've been talking with teams to make deals. And if the Oilers struggle out of the gate, they're going to make another deal. But they're going to wait and see how the team plays this season. Yeah, I mean, there could, sure, there could be a, a, a maybe, maybe there could be a larger in-season trade. You never know. I mean, you know, sure. I mean, they're always talking. I mean, they were talking at the draft. There were, there were other. Look, the Oilers were talking about a high end defenseman at the draft. We're talking a high end defenseman, one of the top 20 guys in the league. And the other team wanted Hall, Dreisaitl, Nurse, and next year's first round draft pick. I, you know. Too much. So, yeah. Now, again, was it too much for Larson? Sure. But at least it was only one guy off your roster. A very important guy. And again, don't get me wrong. I know there's going to be games this year the Oilers are going to lose 2-1. And overtime open line is going to be like, well, if we would have had Taylor Hall, would have generated more offense. Fair enough. That's probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen. If they win more than they lose, then those complaints probably won't be, you know, people making those complaints probably won't be as vocal. Hang on here. i got to switch channels again. The BC Calgary game now not on TV. Anyway, uh, so look, like I was saying a couple of days ago, this trade is still going to be analyzed to death until it gets into training camp and they start playing games. But I think there's a point where you have to be like, okay, it happened. Let's let's play the games. Maybe the team as a whole is going to be better, right? Maybe the team as a whole is going to be better. And can you imagine? Now, Shirelli did something about the defense, right? The, the, the defense is better. Is the team as a whole better? I don't know. But can you imagine if Shirelli just did nothing about the defense because he refused to trade anybody, refused to trade any important players? I mean, I think people would be mad. I think people would be madder about him having done nothing than about him having traded Taylor Hall. I really do. I really do think that. But we'll find out. Uh, Christian in Winnipeg sent in that text about Tyson Berry. Christian, thanks for listening to the show. Much appreciated. Uh, Christian probably was, uh, he's probably listening to gloat about the Blue Bombers victory from last night. <laughs> so Saskatchewan's now 1-4. and four. Winnipeg's 2-4. and four. The Eskimos are 2-3. and three. Calgary got a field goal, so they're trailing BC 8-3, just six minutes uh, uh, into that game uh, down the highway. The Blue Jays won 6-5 over the uh, Baltimore Orioles tonight. Should mention, we played that Bill Peters clip earlier, coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. He mentioned the name Eric in terms of doing his uh, advanced analytics or his advanced stats in his analytics. Eric Tolsky, guy out of MIT, does that work for uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So that, you know, it's it's another little interesting twist to the hockey world, another way to look at the game. It's not about being right or wrong all the time. It's just more information for the... uh, 
for the uh, for the co- for really and and as as he said, as Peters said, more for the managers, I think, than for the coaches. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text us at uh, six thirty six thirty. Uh, Randy says, uh, short memories. Nugent Hopkins was on the all-star team the year before last. He was hurt, uh, last year. He deserves the benefit of the doubt. That is from, uh, Randy. Uh, well, Nugent Hopkins played in the all-star game. Yes, he did not make the year-end all-star team. Uh, didn't have a great year. Didn't have a great year last year. He was, he was beat up, has to stay healthy. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Was somebody crapping? Were we crapping on Nugent Hopkins tonight? I think he's a good player. Has he has he done what we have hoped he would do? I don't think so at this point. Hopefully he can uh, be a more of a steady contributor this season coming up. Dave Campbell's going to pop by, the producer of the show, when we get back. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Milos Raonic eliminated from the Rogers Cup in Toronto, loses in the quarterfinals, straight sets to Gail Monfi. Our Monfi, so uh, Raonic out. Blue Jays win 6-5. Montreal pounds Saskatchewan in the CFL, 41-3 BC with an early 8-3 lead. On the uh, Calgary Stampeders, we had Devin Carey on from the Oil Country Championship. That is going to be an interesting weekend. Uh, we got uh, th- three players tied for the lead, 27 other players within four shots of the lead. So that'll be a fun weekend there. Uh, Robert Streb and Jimmy Walker tied for the lead at the PGA Championship, nine under. They have a two-shot lead over Grio and Day. You can text 63630. Dave Leppard texting in. He says, hey, Reed, I agree with you about Oiler fans being more upset if Shirelli would have done nothing. I'm choked about losing Hall like everyone else, but I think I would rather have Lucic on the first line beside McDavid. He's big and tough while Hall was just fast. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think the the line to start the season will be Lucic, Hall, and McDavid. Uh, but I think Hall was more than just fast. I mean, he's a, he's a really good player. I'm not going to change my tune on that. I mean, look, Shirelli's trying to change the complexion of the team. He's trying to change the complexion of the team. I think he's taken strides to doing that. Is that complexion going to look prettier when you hold it up to the mirror? That That's the thing. That, that, I mean, that's the thing. He's changed the recipe. Is the meal going to taste any better? Taylor Hall was a pretty important ingredient. Uh, look, I, I, I'm just not going to sit here and write off the Oilers because they don't have Taylor Hall. That's that's all. I think it, I, I think it's a big loss. I think there's a hole there, but maybe it gets filled in different ways than than Hall was filling it. I, I'm just not going to just write write it off because I haven't seen them play yet. Uh, Paul says, "Read how has Odell Willis been playing this year?" I listened to. The Eskimos on the radio and rarely hear his name called this year. That is from Paul. Well, I think probably, Paul, you don't hear as many defensive linemen overall. I thought uh, 
Well, I thought Marcus Howard might have been the best defensive lineman yesterday. I think Willis is still being Odell Willis. He brings pressure off the edge. But again, I think it's the Eskimos secondary. They're getting picked apart with short passes, so the D-line doesn't have time to get there. They don't blitz a lot, so they're not creating enough confusion for other offensive lines. Again, I don't have a problem with Odell Willis or Marcus Howard or any of those guys. I think the secondary is is the big problem. So the the big problem. So I'm not too worried about Odell Willis. To talk a little Eskimos and a little golf, we bring in the producer of this show. It is Dave Campbell. Dave, thanks for sticking around. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, how about yourself, Reed? Doing all right. Now with the Eskimos schedule, do you actually get a long weekend or a semi weekend? I do. Um, it looks like it's going to be three days off. Oh, wow. So I'll take that. Even Monday off? Even Monday off. They're yeah. not going to practice Monday, eh? If they practice, we're not invited. So <laughs> I think that's probably what's going to happen. So they're going to get their work in. And uh, I know they're off today, tomorrow, and Sunday just to get on, get them off their feet. I mean, they had, they had, a, they had such a short week. I mean, they, they had one practice day taken away from them just because the week was so short. So they had to give the team Sunday off after the Hamilton game on Saturday. Your day one and your day two are Monday, Tuesday. The walkthrough is Wednesday, and the game was yesterday. So, you know, they're they're tired, and they're they're physically beat up and mentally drained. So this will be good to get them away a little bit, you would think, and rest up physically and kind of clear the head a little bit. And then they go to Ottawa, and then they're in the, you know another cycle of a short week again. Yeah. Uh, they'll play the Montreal Alouettes on the eleventh, uh, I believe, uh, Commonwealth a Thursday game. So, yeah, I mean they're going to take advantage of the time off. So and so am I. <laughs> uh, well, you can watch a little PGA Championship. I'll be out. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Allrick and I will be uh, splitting coverage duties for the Mackenzie Tour event, the Oil Country Championship, yeah. out at the uh, the Glendale. Now, I didn't get to cover. When did we have uh, the last LPGA event here? Uh, Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand. Where was that? Royal Mayfair. That was at the Mayfair. Okay, so you covered that. Yeah, I covered uh, the the last the last day. Yeah, it's it's pretty stunning. I went to uh, there was also a, an event at the Mayfair. I want to say 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was even oh no, I think it was I don't know several summers ago. And when you see them hit in person, yeah, I remember I saw Laura Davies hit a, her second shot on a par five mm-hmm. that stopped about four feet from the hole, and then she <laughs> tapped in the bird. I mean, they don't make everything. But when they make a shot, it's like, oh, my God. Like, that's – I didn't know it was possible to hit the ball that well. It's a totally – like a lot of sports, it's a totally different experience than seeing it on TV. Just listen to the sound. Right. Like, close your eyes and listen to how a professional golfer strikes the ball. It sounds so much different than you and I hacking away at it. You know, like, we have this pathetic little ting – and then it's just like it's just like vroom, you know it's it's amazing to hear the power and the contact of a, of a pro golf swing on yeah. a golf club. Uh, yeah, I remember that year or on a golf ball. I remember that year. Uh, Lydia Ko won, and uh, she's from South Korea, I believe. And at the time, she was 16 years old, and I believe she won as a 15 year old the year before. You can correct me if I'm wrong, or look it up later, whatever. Um, but at the time, she was an amateur, and there was a lot of talk about should she turn pro. I mean, look at all the money she's missing, right? Right. She eventually did turn pro, and now there's a nice rivalry with her and Brooke Henderson because they're pretty much the same age. And yeah. Brooke Henderson is a 
tremendous star from this country. You know, in a in a in a golf tour that unfortunately doesn't get a lot of play in mainstream media, which is too bad because there's a lot of great talent on that uh, on that tour on the LPGA tour. So, uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's fun. I mean, it's the setup's amazing. Uh, it's very professional. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun that day, and I remember it because I think the the day before I flew home from a from a road trip. We were we were away somewhere. I can't remember exactly where Montreal. I don't know. I can't can't quite remember. But um, the other golf tournament that I covered, and it wasn't really a golf tournament, but there's a lot of golf. Was the uh, Wayne Gretzky and Friends Golf Tournament at the Northern Bear when the Northern oh, yeah. Bear just opened? And uh, they would have uh, a made-for-TV special. You had uh, Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Brett Hall, I think, face Mike Weir right. in, a, in a match play competition. And I remember uh, uh, watching Mike Weir hit it off the tee, and it's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the other Canadian, Ian... Ian Leggett. Ian Leggett. There yeah. you go. So I'm I'm watching this. I'm watching him off the tee, and I can't remember which hole it was, but it was a dog leg left. Okay. And like really harsh, like it's almost ninety degrees, right? So what I would do, I would I would make the shot into the open area, of course. So I would get another chance to hit, you know, down that left. You know, once the 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 hole turned on to the left, I got a clear shot at the at the hole. No, what does Ian Leggett do? Turns himself towards the the left, shoots over the trees. He doesn't even know where his ball's going to be, but I know where his ball was. It was on the fairway. So that was amazing to me. And just the power and the speed that these professional golfers yeah. hit the ball at. I mean, for me, I, honestly, I'm almost afraid to hit the ball because I don't know where it's going to go. And then I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea where the ball, uh, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, usually I can find my ball because it went like 25 feet, which is embarrassing, or 25 yards. So, anyway, um, it, it's amazing to watch a pro golfer operate. And, you know, you just, all the time and the hours that they put in, you know, it's just amazing how uh, they can navigate a course as well as they do. You know, the PGA is obviously going on. The PGA Championship is is this weekend as well. So there's a lot of golf for people to follow. The, yeah. the Oil Country Championship and the PGA. And and you you mentioned Lydia Cole winning as an amateur. Mm-hmm. And Phil Mickelson, I mean, almost, I mean, let's face it, the British Open, he played as well as you can play mm-hmm. without winning the tournament. Yeah. Um, Literally, because he shot one of the lowest scores in the history of the major championships and got second place. Phil Mickelson won his first PGA tournament in 1991 as an amateur. Mm-hmm. I remember that. He didn't, and there's been some stories about it recently because it's 25 years. Right. And the greatest golfer of the last 25 years is Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. But Mickelson now, this is interesting. I mean, Woods' peak was incredible, Incre- incredible, unmatched. But Mickelson, the, the longevity of Mickelson's career, that hasn't been matched by a lot of guys. No, it hasn't. And, and I mean, I know he's not as popular and, and you know, some of the couple off-course uh, issues, you know, the insider trading stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, you, know, so, you know, we only know him through interviews. I know some fans don't like his personality, whatever. A lot of guys in individual sports come across as self-centered because they are thinking about themselves almost all the time because that's how they that's how they have to win. But Mickelson is is an interesting one and um 
He's, I, I mean, he's to me one of the one of the greats. If any, I'm going to say something crazy here. As good as Phil Mickelson is, and as much as he's recognized as a great golfer, still, I still might think he's a little underrated. Probably, yeah. And I think he's he can be a guy that you really root for at times because you know he's had such hard luck. Especially, especially the U.S. Open. Sometimes brought on by himself. Oh, absolutely. It's <laughs> not all the time. But he's entertaining because when he blows well, up, it's just it's epic. But we were watching what he did today. He, that was awesome. Like he hit onto a because <laughs> he looked like a lot of us golfing. That's why it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he took a triple bogey. He hit onto a road. Like he didn't just miss the fairway. He missed the rough and hit onto an adjacent road. And then he apparently hit into someone's backyard. And he got, we're not sure why, but he got a drop out of it. And then How he, much is that home, by the way? Yeah. How much is that home worth? <laughs> On the golf, especially now that Mickelson's been in the backyard. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, an interesting, he's, he's been an interesting figure for his, his style. Um, and whenever he does something, it seems to be big, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a big win or it's a dramatic win or it's a dramatic collapse or it, failure. It's a big run at the Masters or he shoots a dumb shot at the U.S. Open. Yeah. You know, and how close has he been? He's been close several times. Yeah. You know, probably should have won in 99 when uh, he lost to Payne Stewart. You know, that yeah. was Payne Stewart's last tournament before he tragically died. But, yep. Uh, yeah, it's always fun to watch Lefty, but the longevity, you're right. And, I, you know, I, I never thought about that until you said it. And, you know, he's always managed to stay relatively healthy. Mm-hmm. And he rarely misses tournaments. And I think uh, big tournaments... And people get frustrated by him because he misses a lot of tournaments, but he knows how to manage himself. And I think that's what I respect about Phil Mickelson is, sure, I mean, if you would love to watch him every weekend and watch the top stars, but he, I think, more than anyone realizes, well, I need to save myself for the bigger events. So, you know, if I have to take close to a month off, I'll do it. And he's not afraid to do that. He knows how to manage himself. But he's one of the best golfers of all time, in my opinion. And unfortunately, he's uh, one of the best golfers to never win uh, the U.S. Open. Yep. Uh, but he's a little surly. He's a little arrogant at times, and he's done some shady things. But you you can't deny the longevity of this guy. He's pretty good. All right, Dave. Uh, enjoy your weekend. So uh, and you'll be filling in on Inside Sports for me on Tuesday and Wednesday. So thanks for doing that, buddy. Hey, uh, happy to do it. Enjoy your uh, little bit of uh, time away here. Thanks a lot, Dave. Really appreciate you sticking around. It is 846 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, BC up 15-3 on Hamilton, early second quarter. And uh, Matthew Panashik dissing, throwing shade. Is that what the kids say? You were throwing shade on Bo Levi Mitchell? He got intercepted, and BC ran it back to the one and got a touchdown, and now they're trying the extra point, and it's good, and it's 16-3. Is that what you were doing? Were you throwing shade on Bo Levi Mitchell? Pretty much, sir. I was doing that. Uh, so he got intercepted, and BC is in control earlier. Montreal already pounded Saskatchewan 41-3. We're taking you into your long weekend. Back to wrap up the show after this. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. All right, and uh, Thomas Dias will have your uh, news, traffic, and weather coming up at 9 o'clock. Just looking at our uh, colleague, Margot Morin, over from the uh, Global Television Weather Department. Uh, Severe thunderstorm warning in effect for areas near 
Drayton Valley, Breton, Lodgepole, Entwistle, and uh, Evansburg. So Thomas will have the later latest on that at the top of the hour. Uh, one texture says, what shady things has Phil Mickelson done? Well, we should clear. I mean, Dave and I were BSing there. Uh, never been uh, convicted of, of anything. There were a couple of insider trading allegations, right, Matthew, against Phil Mickelson at a couple points in his career. Dr. Dick texting the show. And, uh, yeah, I have heard about this. On the tour, they call Phil Mickelson Fig Jam. It's an acronym for uh, an F word. I'm good. Just ask me. That's his nickname given by his peers. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. Phil Mickelson is good. He is a good player. And it's an individual sport where I think, I mean, look, it's my experience that most high-level athletes, team or individual sports, uh, are alpha males, pretty confident, sometimes can be a little arrogant, a little full of themselves when it comes to their sports. I think that that is amplified in individual sports because you're never giving a teammate credit for anything. It's all you, right? It's, it, it's, it's all you. So I don't know if Phil Mickelson is uh, any, any worse than anybody else. Uh, he's beaten a lot of guys a lot of times, so that's probably going to make him less popular, especially if he's talking about how he has beaten guys over the years, right? So, I mean, again, I don't know if he's any worse than anybody else. 17-3 BC leading Calgary. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet, presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Matthew Panaschik working as our studio producer this evening. Matthew, what is your, uh, uh, just out of curiosity here, what is your interest level in the upcoming Rio Summer Olympics? On a scale of one being, on a scale of zero being completely disinterested that you're aware the Olympics are on, but you, you're not going to pay any attention to them, to 10 being you will basically uh, shut down the rest of your life to watch and follow <laughs> the Olympics. I will go with a 5 on this, Reed. I like, to, I like the swimming. I like the track and field. I like the marathons, but that's about it for me. Like, no, the cycling and all that, that, that stuff doesn't really interest me, right? The basketball, I don't know, just because it's countries playing, I don't know, it just doesn't interest me, that stuff. But the track and field and the, uh, and what, 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 did I, what did I say? What was the other thing I was just saying? <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. I don't oh, know, man, I've had a long week, no, that's for like sure. you like the swimming. Yeah, swimming with Michael Phelps. I'm a huge Michael Phelps fan. And I know, yeah, that's USA, whatever. He's, a, well, he's, he's an a, amazing. He's a, he's I mean, he's one of the of best all Olympians of all time. Exactly right. right. I'm interested to see how he's going to do competing against younger guys now. He's old. Right? He's old. I mean, he's so, not old, but in and is Usain Bolt going to run old. this year too in the, in the track and field? Right? Is he going to run? And how good? And if he does, how good is he just going to be? Is he going to be okay, or is he going to be excellent? Well, like no he one's won is, three right? in a row, right? No, no one's ever won the hundred meters three in a row. How, how old is Michael Phelps? Yeah, he's 31. It's pretty old. Twenty-two medals in three Olympics already. Yep. It's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly interested in the. I'm, I'm inter- obviously interested in the Canadian women's basketball team because they train here. We got Edmontonians on the team, right? The Canadian women's soccer team interests me because they were a great story in the last Olympics and they played here last summer in the World Cup. So for team sports, uh, that interests me. In track and field, certainly uh, DeGrasse and Brown and some of the Canadian sprinters. The relay team might be able to get a medal. Um. Was you got it uh, what you got? Druin in the high jump, and uh, Sean Bar- Derek Druin in the high jump, and Sean Barber in the pole vault. 
very strong medal contenders for Canada. And the track and field is kind of always interesting to watch, right? Always. There's a lot going on. Some of the, you know, you want to watch a short race or you want to watch one of the longer races. It's cool. Uh, we've had Reed Coolset out of Ontario on the show a couple times. He's running the men's marathon for Canada on the last day. Not a medal contender, but still, he's going to run the Olympic marathon. So it should be, I mean, I think the Olympics are going to be good. I just think the scandal is sort of over it, and now there's people are complaining about the conditions of the Olympic Village down there not being very good either. So I think that's overshadowing the Olympics. But like Brian Hall said, once the Olympics start, that all that stuff always goes away. Yeah, generally. And it's all about the athletes yeah, and generally it's all about the performances. Right? Though, I mean, some Olympics are not Athens, 2004, not well-remembered. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, but... You know, it's just there's no purity to the Olympics. It's a it's a big corporate event. That's what it is. Uh, the the swimming's interesting to watch. Again, you know, a lot of races. A lot, you know, this this finals on, this finals on. So there's a lot to follow there. Um, you know, certainly what the sports like is archery still in? Are the shooting events still in there? You know, you don't see much of those. No, but I I uh, I could be wrong. I think they're still there. What about golf? Are you interested in golf or not really? Because nobody's going to be there. So what's well, the point? Well, there's still good golfers, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. Do we need, do we need, here's the thing. Does golf need to be in the Olympics? I don't think so. Like, I, I always thought, oh, it's great. Golf's going to be back in the Olympics. And now that it's back in, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't care. And well, it should be match play. It should be match play. I mean, it's just another four-round tournament. I get, you know, okay, Brooke Henderson, the Canadian woman, she could win. She's good enough. She could win. The Canadian, the Canadian men there aren't going to win. But yeah, I mean, we just had the British Open. Now two weeks later, we got the uh, PGA, PGA and now two weeks after that, we're going to have the Olympic golf tournament, which is not going to be as big as any major, right? Exactly. And I guess right. they just built this course in Rio, which I, which I thought I I'm going to have to look this up. I thought I read somewhere that it's going to be the first public golf course in Brazil. Does that sound right? Could be right, because they don't, I don't think they have too much space there, buddy, for golf. Well, in the jungle. Well, <laughs> let's <laughs> they play the, with it. Yeah. They had that one. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, Todd says, I'm not a rugby guy, but I'm excited to see rugby sevens. Todd, thank bang on. And Jen Kish, Edmontonian, is on the women's rugby seven. And this is fast action. They do all the tournament in two or three days. You play more than one match in a day, so that'll be pretty cool. Kevin from Stoney says, the diving is cool in the Olympics. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not as big on the judged events, but no, that's cool. Sometimes the boxing is fun to watch, right? Always fun, yes, the boxing and also the weightlifting and the wrestling, too. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what's going on in the Type wrestling. Taekwondo, right, too, so. Yeah, I don't understand what's happening. I guess that's my own fault, but yeah. I, I don't understand what's happening. All right, I hope you have a great long weekend. On uh, Monday, remember this, we'll have the best of inside sports from 6 to 8, and then an encore presentation, Rexall's Last Stand, that documentary we put together on the arena. That's going to be on from 8 to 9. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening, Matthew Panaschik. Our guests included Dave Campbell, Devin Carey, Jamie Thomas, and Blake Dermott. Keep it tuned to 630 Chet for updates from the Oil Country Championship over the weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, Dave's going to fill in Tuesday and Wednesday. I will talk to you again on Thursday. Have fun. So if you want to join me for a while, just grab your- 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.